Hey guys, today's episode of Table 40 on the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network is presented by our Increase Store and our Bible in a Year Engagement Journal, which you should pick up your copy today, especially with Matt and Leslie going through the Bible in a year. This is the companion that's going to help you, the guy that's going to help you through the passages of Scripture each and every day. You want to get this journal right now at theincrease.com theincrease.com. It's affordable and it's the perfect companion to help you grow in your faith and to stay connected to God through his word each and every day. The Bible in a Year Engagement Journal. Get yours today at theincrease.com. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Table 40 Podcast. Les and I are here as we continue to work our way through the Bible in a year. And so today we're going to dive into numbers a little bit. And Luke 9, 57 through 14, 14. And so let's get started. All right. Numbers is the fourth book of the Bible, and it's still telling the story of Israel. We see that when we when we study the story of Israel, something to keep in mind is the leadership of Moses, of course, under God's God's direction. And we do know that Israel rebelled. Uh, we read a lot about the rebellion of Israel um, over the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, but God is faithful and graciously provided his presence to the tabernacle. We re- read about that in Leviticus. Um, and, and now we're here. And the Lord says in numbers, like take a census, census in chapters one through four, the people are numbered and arranged, but we also want to notice that God's presence is um, all is in the center of center of it all. In chapters 5 through 10, we see the development of the purity laws. Um, We read about the purity laws in Leviticus. Now we're starting to see them um, developed a little bit further with more detail. I would love for you guys to read numbers 5, 1 through 4, and just highlight that. Maybe if you're taking notes, highlight that and go back and read it. I feel like if you read numbers 5, 1 through 4, you're going to have a greater appreciation for the things that Jesus has been doing as we've studied in Luke. Um, and, and just keep in mind that that the Jewish people, when they saw Jesus live and operate and move and do his ministry, the reason why it was probably so countercultural and the reason why the kingdom of God was so countercultural is because of the book of Numbers and because of the book of Leviticus. But Numbers 5, 1 through 4 is going to help uh, shape and paint a picture for you as you're reading uh, the New Testament. And it's beautiful. Number 6, 22 through 27. I do want to read that because it's Aaron's blessing. And I believe that this is such a beautiful passage of scripture. It said, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel and you shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. And I think sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we think through um, the harshness of God. And we think about, about you know, these, when we look at the un- unclean stuff, we look about the demands of holiness and, and the requirements for the priests and all this stuff. We can read through this and sometimes it's um, natural for us to look at God as being like this harsh father. But then when you read this, I, I think it paints a more complete picture of God, that this is what God desires. Um, God spoke to Moses saying, like, I want to bless you. 
I, I want to bless you and keep you. I want to shine my want my face to shine on you and be, I want to be gracious to you. And I think that that's truly the heart of God, but there's a requirement that God demands because God is holy. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, um, I think when it's sometimes interesting, like the old Testament can be, um, I think part of it, you know, this is, can be difficult to understand like how it's all tied together, but, um, it's interesting that I, I love uh, that, that that prayer and and the the prayer that Moses. Um, I don't know. I just I just like I said. Sometimes the the Old Testament is is a little bit um, hard for me to make it through the Book of Numbers. I mean, how how would you describe it or talk to people when they they start to read through the Old Testament when it gets um, when they start talking about genealogy, like some of that stuff? Like, how do you not get um, I don't know, I guess just like overwhelmed with like, what does this mean? Why am I reading? Do I need to read all these names? And do I need to read all these genealogies and these numbers and how they built things and all that stuff? I mean, I, I, I enjoy it because I, but I like to read it from like an aerial perspective. That's why this particular week, I wanted to clump it up the way that we did like one through four is teaching us that the people were numbered and arranged and there was precision and accuracy in the way God was doing this, because what's going to happen later and what we're going to learn later is that that this generation wasn't allowed to go into the promised land, but their children are allowed to go into the promised land. And so then there's going to be numbers and new arrangements for the generation that's able to receive the promise made back in in Genesis 12, um, I believe one through three. And so I, I think that it's just showing like that God is on the move and God has a plan and his plan is precise and there's meaning behind all the things that God does in a story of, of a life. And I think that that's really beautiful. And then you look at chapters five through 10 and we've already read Leviticus. So then in chapters five through 10, it's an opportunity for us to see the development of the purity laws. Like purity matters to God mm -hmm. being set apart and, and living life counterculturally and living life differently matters to God. Like we should be identified by our actions in the way that we live without saying a word. In fact, that should that should identify you more, in my opinion, mm -hmm. than the words that we speak. And so God's teaching this nation, like this is what it looks like to follow me. And, and I have requirements because of my holiness. And, and there is a way that we will interact. And I'm going to set the terms of that interaction. And like back when we studied in the Older Testament, when you're looking at Abraham and, and you're looking at this covenant he made with Abraham, he's like, no, I'm setting the terms for this relationship. It's an unconditional love that I have for you. But then we get to Moses and we see this, this promise of, of the of the of Ten Commandments. God states it from the very beginning. Now, this promise is this is a little bit different. Like, like this is a conditional thing. I promise to when you obey, I bless. When you disobey, I don't. But God said, like he set the terms both times, right? And so I think that that's important to understand that we serve a God that's steadfast. We serve a God that's consistent and we serve a God in no surprises. Like his character is, and what I mean by no surprises is he's not gonna say, um, this is what I'm gonna do, but yet yeah, do something else. Like he does what he says he's going to do. And that's been a consistent thing throughout scripture. Now, that doesn't mean we like we like it, but God's the one that's steady in this relationship. And um, I think then when you when you look at chapter 11, which we read this week, we see this again, like 
the groaning of the Israelites. They continue to complain. And so when you read that chapter, you see this pattern, like God is faithful, but they continue to be unfaithful. They continue to groan. They continue to complain. And then you have numbers 12. Um, and, and this is like an argument in leadership, basically, <laughs> between uh, Aaron and Moses and Miriam. And, um, and, and they oppose, they oppose Moses's leadership. And it's this argument among the leaders. And I think that that's fascinating and we don't have time to get into it right now, but I do think if you're in church leadership and, um, you should probably take some time and read numbers 11 and numbers 12, I think it'll, it'll shock you at how we can relate to it now. Um, for those of us that are in, in leadership, um, I think it's pretty, pretty fascinating. So I highly encourage you to read that on your own. And then we get into numbers 13, one through 24 and the spies are sent into Canaan. And it says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. And so, so he's saying like, go into the promised land and I'm going to send some men to go seek it out and let me know what you see. And, um, and man, we have some faithful ones and some not so faithful ones. And so, so Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, go up to the hill country and see what the land is, whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, whether there are few or many, or whether the land that they dwell is good or bad, and whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether the trees in it, or whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some fruit of the land. Now the times, now the time was in the season of the of the first ripe grape ripe grapes and so they went out and spied on the land um and uh and they brought some fruit back and that's where we stopped and we're going to learn we're going to learn uh next week how fascinating that was and how fascinating that detail was you know and so then the census might make a whole lot more sense do you know what i mean and so it's it's just the story of how this came about and like the long burn of god's faithfulness through generation and generation and generation and generation in the steadiness and the consistency of God, the father through it all. And, you know, and how now we see Jesus and we're recovering and pursuing God's original design, but it's fascinating, mm, you know, it's all tied together. It's all tied together. It's one narrative from beginning to end. And um, to me, there's a, there's a lot of encouragement when I read the old Testament to see the steadfastness and faithfulness of God. Um, and in the love that he has and the desire to bless and be gracious to and be in in community with a sinful a sinful humanity and mm -hmm. you know and i th i think it's i think it's fascinating so does that answer your question like, yeah i i just think that sometimes um i know in my my when i try to read through the bible sometimes the old testament i lose <laughs> with some of the the numbers and some of the like the genealogy stuff and i just you know i want people to get discouraged or stop doing the old testament because it gets into some quote-unquote boring parts yeah no doubt no doubt and it sure can be mm -hmm. no doubt but as we get into luke um i would like to spend the bulk of our time there even though i feel like i went on and yeah, on like, in numbers but i kind of I, I really like the i really yeah. like the old testament um and so when we look at verse 57, we're, we're right. We just jump right into it. And so Luke 9, verse 57, it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And he's talking about Jesus. And I want to stop right there because I underlined in my Bible when I read this this week, 
as they were going along the road. And I know that that sounds a really strange thing to underline in the Bible, but for me, I think that that epitomizes Luke's like desire to write Luke. And and what I mean by that is I feel like his vibe is, is I want you to understand that this relationship with Jesus, once we encounter Jesus and we start walking with him, it truly is a journey that can be summarized like this as we walk with Jesus along the road. And I think it's so, I think it's so true. And, um, and that might be a very broad statement and, and people that go to seminary might listen to this and like, I don't know, Leslie, there's a lot of themes throughout Luke and that's absolutely accurate and true. So I may have been a little aggressive in, in saying that, but I do think one of the themes in the book of Luke is this, is that he really wants the reader to understand that walking with Jesus is a journey. It's not this one-time experience where we give our life to the Lord or surrender our life to the Lord. It's not, it's, it, there's so much more in a, a being a Christian in a relationship with Jesus is so much richer than this moment where you, you say, yeah, I'm with him. I'm pledging my allegiance to Jesus Christ. It's a journey. And um, I know that that is true for my life. And I just kind of caught me, mm-hmm. you know, as I was reading uh, at the beginning of the week and as they were going along the road, someone said to them, said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And when I was reading that, I, I thought to myself, like Jesus is making it very clear. Again, like God the Father made it very clear. Like this is the expect, I'm going to tell you what it's going to be like. If you want to go on mission with me, this is not your home. And so don't live, don't live to uh holding on to earth or or the things that we see here don't hold on too tightly and i think it's fascinating that he says that and all of these illustrations that jesus uses are examples of that um and it's like this is not our home he's passing through go and proclaim move move through life um there's seasons move forward eyes up kingdom mindset those are all the notes that i wrote when i was reading just these couple of verses what do you think about yeah i i think it's interesting he says Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And I just think that's, is it, I mean, I, I get that, like that he's saying like that this is a journey and that there's no ending on this side. Like that makes sense. Like there's no like destination, so to speak. He's just, I don't know. I I think the destination obviously is, is heaven for us. And then, you know, the restoration of the earth, but, um, like when he talks about like, yeah, follow me. I'm not going anywhere specific, but we're going, you know? And so I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, it's always, I, I I think reading the red letters, you know, of, of Jesus is what he's saying is, is interesting. And, and um, I, I would like you to explain that leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Like, is he saying like, well, it's funny because when you read the Bible again, like what's the author's intended meaning, right? So, so, or for that, like Jesus said it. So what was Jesus saying? And then you always have to consider context. And so you kind of have to, when there's, when things come up in scripture that are like, well, that's super harsh. What the heck? Yeah, and so, I, I go you know, my, I, I just want to go to my dad's funeral. What yeah. in the world's wrong with that? And so I think what's what's fascinating about when we understand the context of of this particular scripture is 
there was probably this two-stage burial. And that's what went on back in those days is, is there's a, a, a two-stage burial. And uh, what commentary will say is like shortly after the death of his father, this man should have already completed the first stage by burying his father in a cave. And then after one year is the second stage and he would return to the cave and collect his father's bones and place them with those of the dead of his dead ancestors. Thus, Jesus said, let the dead ancestors uh, receive their own is basically what he's saying. And so in in commentary says in this context, the man's request most likely refers to the second stage of burial. But Jesus urgent mission cannot accommodate this delay. And I think that that's true of, of the whole passage of scripture. So what's the cost of following Jesus? The cost is, is that, that like, like, let's go, let's urgency. go. There's urgency. Like, yeah. like God does not want to accommodate no. your delay, like, like value yeah. following Jesus so much so that you're, you're willing to go now. Mm-hmm. And, and that there's an urgent, this is an urgent, this is an urgent matter because in verse 61, it says yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so he's like, move forward, move forward. There's an urgency here. There's a mission. There's we're moving, um, moving forward with this kingdom mindset. And so I think that that's fascinating. And and people that are struggling with identity and lack purpose in their life, read the word of God and, and just go right. Find a church, a local church, and and get involved and and make a difference. I do think it's uh, important to get a Bible with commentary. Oh yeah, you know I, I think sometimes we've we've talked about this before. Uh, obviously, reading your Bible is important, but I, I think understanding context and having a commentary that that is uh, trustworthy, I think, is important because sometimes when we interpret things the way we read it based on our worldview or our current state. Um, sometimes we can get it screwed up yeah. and we can, we can make things out of maybe fit to a narrative that is happening in our life. That's actually doesn't really, is not really what the Bible is saying. That's right. And I think one of the most dangerous things and that we can do is we say, okay, what does that verse mean to me? And, you know, and, and there was intention with the words and, and the words mattered. And the author who wrote Luke in this particular case um, the author quoted Jesus, like it, it was, it was, it mattered. Like the author intended to place meaning in the Bible. And it's not, what does this mean to me? Right. And like you said, how can this fit into the narrative that I'm trying to build? Because when we do that, mm-hmm. we're rebelling against the authority of God. And we're saying exactly what Eve said in the garden. Like I'm exchanging God's truth for a lie, or I am, I want to, I want to, I want to be the author of my life, mm-hmm. you know, instead of submitting to what scripture says, but your point is correct. And, and the Bible is not about us. It's about God. It's about God. And, um, it's true. Yeah. And, so and I think that that's, that's something when people study the Bible, having a good commentary is important. Yeah. And I mean, what I would recommend, um, I'm a huge fan of the Bible project and I think the Bible project does an amazing job. They have an amazing podcast. David Platt is a really good resource. Um, his podcast is, is fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, like a commentary. I, I think the one, the one that I use and the one that, that I love is the NIV, uh, study Bible. And there's lots of, there's a life application study Bible and, and there's the blue letter Bible online. Um, there's all kinds of resources that, that can help understand with greater clarity what you're reading, especially when you read those verses that seem to 
be confusing like the one we just read. And so when we look at chapter 10, there's there's a couple things that I highlighted this week as I was reading through it. Um, and, and basically it's just in verse two. And he said to them, this is Jesus again talking, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And I think those of us that are in leadership of any kind, uh, in, in Christian leadership specifically, like understand the harvest is plentiful um, and earnestly pray for those to go with you in ministry. And I think that that um, shouldn't be a step that's forgotten, like praying earnestly for a partner in ministry and understanding that the harvest is plentiful. I think for me, like when I was reading through this, I read the whole thing, but then I connected verse 16 with uh, verse two here. And in verse 16, it says, the one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. And I think when you're, when you're thinking about ministry and you're thinking about sharing your faith and you're thinking about gathering the courage to um, to start speaking on behalf of Jesus, I guess, I think those are two things that really need to be held as, as truth. Number one, the harvest is plentiful. People really do want to know about Jesus. Like Jesus is, uh, I mean, I, I think that sometimes we underestimate the fact that the harvest is plentiful. That is one thing I've learned in teaching Bible study here in Stillwater to college kids is I underestimated their sincere desire to really want to know about the word of God. I think too, it was even evident in when when Damar Hamlin with the Buffalo Bills um, when, when he had that incident, yeah. like the amount of like people praying and like just sort of the football community and like uh, it just like all the people that maybe never thought about God were seeming to be talking about God and, and maybe they didn't know, you know, about. But I, I think when you think about like kind of times at some point, people are going to question where their eternity lies, mm -hmm. you know, at some point we all ask a question of like, what is this about? Or where am I going? Or what if I die? What happens? Like, so I, I think when you talk about the plentiful, like there is opportunity, like everybody has that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes we underestimate it and we think, oh, that, that um, is for the, the professional pastor to, to share the gospel or to represent Jesus in such a way that questions will be asked of you like why do you handle it this way or why do you handle it that way and I think sometimes we underestimate the plentiful harvest but you know what I'm saying and I think we shouldn't and I think that we should we should have this awareness that people do ask those questions you know the the unsaved really do ask those questions and even the young Christians want to have a greater a, a, a deeper understanding of 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 Jesus and, and I think too, like when, like, as you're gathering your courage or gathering your courage to, to teach about Jesus, I want you to really understand verse 16 In verse 16. And I read it earlier, but I'm going to read it again. The one who hears you, hears me. So I, th I think that that's so important when you're creating and crafting a message or a conversation in your mind, it's like really represent Jesus appropriately. Cause the one who hears who, uh, the one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects God ultimately. And I think like try to keep your message and your approach as 
saturated with Jesus as possible. And you don't need to be cute. You don't need to be clever. You don't need to be funny, even though those things are great. I love it when people think I'm funny, (laughs) but, but I think that like saturate your words and your message with the words of Jesus Christ and, and, and go, it's not about you. It's about him. How can you glorify him with your words and your actions and your interactions? You know what I mean? So, and see if let's God let you be part of the story. See People's if God story. lets you be part of the story. That's right. Like, I, I yeah, that's I just, right. I don't like, well, I won't get into that. But yeah. I just don't like when people say, uh, now I'm, I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think too, like, as, and as we roll through it, those are the other things that I learned exactly what you're talking about is, is so they're fired up. Um, the, 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 the teachers have returned. So the 72 have returned with joy, saying to the Lord, Hey, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they're like blown away and they're fired up. They're like, you're never going to believe what happened. The demons are even subject to us in your name. And he said to them, hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. But then he says this, like, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I think again, like this all kind of goes back to pursuing ministry and, and, but understand like the posture always has to be humility and rejoice that our names are in heaven. Consider this, the source, (laughs) right? Consider the source of the power that you have, like, where did it come from and rejoice in that. And I, and I just think that, that all of, when I was reading this this week, I thought about myself and and the women that I lead at PAO, I thought about the ministry that I'm pursuing. And and I just want to be sure that I really consider these things before I open my mouth, before I craft a message, before I develop any sort of programming and any of that stuff is that just have such humility about it and understand that that this is all because of Jesus and, and what he's done for me, you know, in Christ, I'm able to to do these things and never lose, never lose that perspective, you know, but mm-hmm. um, then we see in here, the parable of the good Samaritan and Martha and Mary in the Lord's prayer. And I would like to talk about those. I know that many of us, especially if we were raised in the church, we have heard the parable of, of the Samaritan over and over again. But I do think I read it a little bit differently this week. Um, and it says a lawyer stands up to Jesus and he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law and how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus says to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you'll live. But he was desiring to justify himself. And he said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, and he tells this story about um, a Samaritan person, but the Samaritan, the the man um, was beat up and, and he's, he's leaving him half dead on the side of the road and a priest is going down and he saw him and he passed by on the other side. And so he got away from that man that was bleeding and, and beat up and um, without clothes on and, and all the things he, he got away from the Samaritan man. He went over to the other side and a Levite. Um, came to the place and saw him and passed by also on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went and bound, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. 
Then he set him on his on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. And I just think that that is a powerful story every time you read it is, is the one that didn't carry the qualifications of a pastor was the one that acted like the pastor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I don't know, I had a, a fascinating week this week um, with what God has me doing in my life right now and just making sure my heart's pure and making sure that like, Hey, Hey, Les, you're doing this for the right reasons. Right. So anyway, I think too, like it's the whole, like, it's not about you. Like, you know, it's sometimes we're just in such a hurry with our life and what's next for us. And like, we miss the surroundings. And and I think sometimes like, even like this, like you're talking about like noticing people or noticing situations where sometimes if you're just so focused on yourself that you miss opportunities or you miss people um that god is like like you take care of take care of people like that's your responsibility as a follower of jesus is to love people and take care of people like use your resources use your you know use your gifts to take care of people and I, I just think it's, you know, it's just such a good reminder of like the difference between being religious and 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 having a heart that's like Jesus mm-hmm. or, or pursuing a, a heart like Jesus. Yeah. And I think, too, and and then we'll move along. But I think, too, like you can read this with greater, greater clarity and understanding context more when we when we think about numbers five, one through four and the uncleanliness. So you have this priest and you have this Levite they are like, ah. Uh, I can't, I can't touch him. He's bleeding. He might be dead. Like those are two no-nos in, in my line of work. But then the Samaritan led with his heart and he was like, well, I can't, I've got to do something. And, and I think that, 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 that should motivate us as well is, is like, like our hearts should break for the things that break the Lord's heart. And we should run into situations that um, we should run, we should run towards the broken and the beat up, right. And exhaust our, <laughs> the gifts that God's given us to provide, like you were saying. And and it's a beautiful story about what it looks like to love, to love your neighbor. Um, and we see Mary and Martha. And again, is this like, like confession week with me? Because I learned a lot this week as I was studying the word of God. And I think uh, the thing that I felt like the Holy spirit was teaching me is in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And I think for the mamas out there that that might be listening to this, and, and again, you're going to want to read it on your own. It's Luke 10, 38 through 42. And you have this, this difference in, in, posture or priority uh, between Mary and Martha. And we see Mary is is sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching, but Martha was busy doing other things and super distracted. And I felt like the Holy Spirit pressed on my heart this week is that I'm spending, I'm in a season of life right now where I'm, I'm a lot like Martha and not like Mary. And, and I'm very distracted. You know what I mean? Like we can all be Martha and we can all be Mary. And sometimes times in our life where Martha 
and I think sometimes we're merry, but like that's everybody, you know. I think that that of I think I could have that response as the same as Martha, but there's times when I've had the same response that could be like Mary, mm -hmm. and I just think that that's something to think about is how are, who are we where are we right now are we Martha are we Mary yeah and I just think I, I just think prioritizing your schedule in such a way where where you can your posture with the Lord is is that of like I'm I'm I've carved out enough time in my day to where I can hear from you and I can be with you and the other stuff will take care of itself mm -hmm. it doesn't have to get done today and that's something that I struggle with it's like I want the house to be clean I want to have a plan for dinner I want to pick up kids, you know, which I know you appreciate and, and all the things and I have school and I have this and I have that, but, but I really crave that time to just spend time with Jesus. And I really had an amazing week this week, like reading the word of God. And I loved it. And when I read that, I was like, why don't I do this more often? Like, like that's the, that's the place of peace right there is like sitting in. It can be Mark or Martin. Yeah. You be. need to read it differently right. for you men out there. Right. And so, all right, let's, let's jump to the Lord's prayer, which is in uh, chapter 11. Um, there's a guy I want to encourage you guys to follow on Instagram. His name's John Tyson. He actually has a post right now about the Lord's prayer. And I thought that it was really cool. And I'm just going to totally is it plagiarizing if you like I'm citing it verbally like I don't know I'm I'm, I'm saying like John Tyson wrote this go read it it's really really good um but it's talking about the Lord's Prayer and and um he says some really neat things in here and he talks about a focus on or so it says father how it'll be that how will it be that name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he's talking about um, when he says our father in heaven, increase our capacity for God. Um, holy is your name. Be sure that there's reverence to God. Um, your kingdom come rejoice in Jesus's reign and announce the gospel. Your will be done. God's will becomes ours, including mercy and justice. Give us the daily bread. Um, contentment, simplicity, and generosity. Forgive us as we have um, forgive us of our trespasses, release grudges and debts against others, and lead us and deliver us. Ask God for guidance and power and spiritual advance. And I just think that he does a really good job. And I really want to encourage you to read that because it is um, a fresh, uh, not a fresh perspective, but it, it's a, it's a good deep dive into um, the Lord's Prayer. And like when I talk about the Lord's Prayer, it, it, it's a template, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think that we should just feel like we say the Lord's Prayer and that's sort of our prayer for the day. And that, like, is it, I mean, am I right on that? Like, this is sort of a template of how to pray. Um, but that's not necessarily like just saying the Lord's Prayer is not, I don't know. Is it, how would you explain that? Yeah, I would say that. I think that it, again, like it's, it's just, reorient our hearts to the things that matter to God. And, and when I look at the Lord's prayer here, I'm like, okay, let glorify God, your kingdom come. And so there's this, there's this prior list of priorities, mm -hmm. like be sure that when you're praying mm -hmm. that you're really passionate about the kingdom of God and you're really acknowledging the holiness of God. So his agenda comes before yours. And I think that that's, um, you know, sometimes when you're younger, you're going to pray like, Oh Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And it's all about you. And the prayer becomes more about self versus this prayer about God 
first and foremost and in the holiness of God and in the hallowedness of God's name and in like shifting your gaze towards the kingdom of God and then acknowledging the fact that our daily bread comes from God alone. The forgiveness of sins comes from God alone. Um, our ability to forgive other sins comes from God alone and, and like really praying that we don't trip up, like lead us uh, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so, because temptation isn't the sin, right? And so it's like, God, like help me in my life to where I can avoid these temptations that trip me up and, and push me towards sin, right? And it's just like, I, in my mind, when I read the Lord's prayer and I recite the Lord's prayer, it's sort of a reset in my mind frame um, in, in the way that, that I view God and the way that I view self. Like it becomes kind of this in Christ kind of, thing for me you know what I mean like I really am resetting my mind to say you know what I am in Christ it's because of what Jesus did for me you know and it just high it just illuminates I think a kingdom mindset when you pray the Lord's prayer mm -hmm. and so uh we get on down to um we're still in chapter 11 and I think that verse 21 is a really fun verse we're only in 11 yeah going we're, gonna through go 14. we're gonna go fast um i think verse 21 is really really cool and so i want to just read it real quickly but verse 21 says when a strong man fully armed guards his own own palace his goods are safe verse 22 but when a stronger one but when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides the spoil Whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I think it's this picture of Jesus is the stronger one. And so the kingdom has come and Jesus is here and he is the stronger one. And it's, it's, it's showing um, the fact that Jesus is stronger than Satan. Right. And so it's just this picture of a reminder of that Jesus is the stronger one. And so there's a, there's a lot, I mean, I learned a lot this week, but uh, for time I'll, I'll move through, but um, I think that something to consider um, before we close this week, well, there's a lot, but um, I think the verse or chapter 13, the repent or perish, I think that's something to spend some time on if you haven't. Um, and he's talking about um, just the reality of the fact that you're either going to repent and pledge your allegiance to Jesus or you're going to perish. And so again, like, the holiness of God, this is a requirement of the holiness of God and um, repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. John the Baptist said it. Jesus said it like it's a theme throughout the ministry of Christ is um, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And believing in Jesus is uh, pledging our allegiance to Jesus and we repent from, from our sins. And so I think that that's a wise uh, a, a wise or you're just gonna it's gonna be a good use of your time to um read chapter 13 and the last thing that i'll say and, and you can share whatever you want to share but um chapter 13 verses 18 it talks about the mustard seed and he says he said therefore what is the kingdom of god like and what to into what shall i compare it to it is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And, and again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid 
in three measures of flour until it was all leadened. And so for me, when I think about the kingdom of God, and I was reading this this week, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying that um, to me that the kingdom of God is a place of rest, nourishment, and comfort. And um, and I know that that's been true in my life, but it's a, it's a it's a slow growth. And so when you think about the mustard seed, it's this tiny little seed, and then it grows and becomes this really really big tree where birds can make nests and and all of those things and and when you think about um leaven and bread it's this tiny little mixture that that makes something expand and so the word of god is in the kingdom of god it starts small and as we grow in our understanding and we and we um, develop deeper roots uh, we can grow into a place of of comfort on this side of heaven in my opinion yeah, I think there's hope in that, that even if you're listening to this and you just have the little mustard seed, that God is encouraging to say that that's okay. And that that's where we, you know, we can start there. And like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a growth mindset of, you know, I, I don't know, I, I guess that's encouraging to me that, um, you know, that, that all it takes is a mustard seed. Yeah, small beginnings and spectacular endings. And I think that that's, that's the thing about the Christian journey. And that's like, we started out talking about that our, like Luke was saying, like, it's a journey, it's a road. And, and I think that when we do accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, there's a seed and it's small, but, and it starts small, but, but you keep walking with the Lord, you keep trusting the Lord, you keep uh, repenting of our sins. You keep leaning into the things that, that God asks us to do. You get into the word of God. You start at, when you pray, when you get into the Bible, you pray and you say, Lord, um, teach me something today and, and let like reveal your presence to me. And, and I just think day after day, after day, after day of that, it starts small. And, but then there can be this spectacular ending and you can be a place of rest like the birds that make their nests in the trees or, or the family that sits around and eats the sourdough bread or whatever the bread is with the, with the leaven, but it, the kingdom of God can be a place of rest and a place of comfort. And so we have this opportunity as Christians to provide that to people that um, are hurting. So um, anyway, I love this week. I learned an awful lot and I'm excited to get into the word of God in the morning and um Next week, we get to start with the parable of the lost sheep, and that's one of my favorite, favorite parables. So anyway, I encourage you to read um, Luke, especially numbers. If you're not into that, that's okay. We, we went over it pretty thoroughly, but Luke 9, 57 through Luke 14, 14, and um, I recommend you read it. Spend some time in the Word of God this week. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportsspectrum.com.